1: Yo, what's happening Rush Nation? It's your boy Stocks. I'm introducing the Monday night staff takeover. Rush Nation give these boys a massive chance. We're handing the pod over on Monday nights, it's Ashley, sometimes Rich and
2: whoever else wants to get involved. Enough from me. Over to you boys. Have a good and keep rushing.
0: everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK.
1: What is up, Rush Nation? Welcome in to the Five Yard Staff Monday Night Takeover. I am one of your hosts, Ash. I'm a writer on the website. You may have seen some of my articles. And tonight I am joined by Lee. Hello, Lee. How are you doing? I am very good. Thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Excellent. Well, most of you may have heard and stop talking about it last week on the podcast, but they have let us take over the Monday night show. And we will be discussing Sunday's games. Um, So that's 13 this week. And then obviously we can't discuss tonight's because none of us have seen it yet. But um, I reckon we, we get straight into it. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. So we'll kick it off with you, Lee, and we will go to the Bengals at the Bills.
2: All right. So let's start off at the Bengals and Bills. I've got um, the Bengals. One, uh, sorry, got beat seventeen twenty-one away in Buffalo. Andy Dalton, obviously, started a quarterback for the Bengals. Went twenty for thirty-six for two hundred and forty-nine yards, one touchdown, for two interceptions. Joe Mixon led them on the ground for the day um, with 15 carries for 61 yards and also two receptions for 34 yards, giving him 95 total yards. No touchdowns and no fumbles, but, I mean, a solid 95 yards. And Auden Tate led them receiving six receptions for 88 yards on 10 targets. Again, no touchdowns. And on the Bills side of things, Josh Allen had, a, had another good game. Propelling them to a 3-0 start. He went 23-36 for 243. One touchdown, one interception. An old man, Frank Gore, led the way on the ground. I mean, this this guy just keeps going. I mean, he sound, that, that train horn that goes off in Buffalo whenever they score. I mean, they should just play that every time Frank Gore gets the ball. Because he's just like an old train. But... I mean, my love for him aside, he went 14 carries for 76 yards. Um, didn't have any receptions, uh, but did have a touchdown. Then Dawson Knox led them receiving with three receptions for 67 yards and a touchdown on four targets. So, pretty good day for the Bills, to say, getting off to a three and O start.
1: Yeah, they have started quite well, and I mean, they've got a, they've got a shout for that. Well, definitely a shout for the second spot in the uh, conference. But I mean. They could well be in the in the playoff hunt at this rate.
2: Yeah, I mean, it seems to be a little bit, um, they're a bit of a reflection of their head coach, kind of, not necessarily flashy, but grind it out, get the job done, kind of do things, do things the right way. Andy Dalton threw a late pick in the game again. The Bengals, obviously, without AJ Green, they're just not a great team. Um, sorry, Bengals fans, I'm not trying to upset anyone here, but... You know, at the end of the day, these this is going to be one of the teams picking in the top 10, unless Andy Dalton really picks things up. I mean, they're seriously going to look at the QB market going into next year's draft, I believe. And the Bills did also force four turnovers on the day. So, you know, that'll always help you get a win.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think they are primed for a top 10 pick at this rate. I, I think Zach Taylor does look a lot better. He's obviously making that offence perform at least they're more entertaining than they were under Marvin Lewis. The, the the wide receiver situation is an is an interesting one. I think everyone expected this sort of performance this season from John Ross. Obviously, we had game week one. Obviously, the the good stat line week two, even though it did come at the end of the game. But most weeks against better defenses, I think this is the sort of this is the sort of performance you're going to see from
2: him. Couldn't agree more. I think Andy Dalton will also. He, I think he'll show you at times, especially during games, he's it, it, really sort of ebbs and flows. Where he makes throws where you think, "Yeah, this guy is the starting quarterback on my team," and I, I, you know, I can live with that. And then he makes some where you just want to scratch it and ask him, "Right, so what were you thinking?" <laughs> because uh-huh. we didn't see it the same. Yeah, I think that's that, that's how you end up. You know, when you get to a quarterback class like the one that's coming out or is touted to be coming out, you know, if they finish with that high pick as we as we predict. I think they have to start looking that way.
1: Yeah, and Dalton's long enough for even if they do bring someone in, that they could potentially still sit behind him for another year. Whether the fans let him, especially if it's first-round pick, we know what the NFL fans are like nowadays. But, <laughs> I mean, we'll have to wait and see. From my point of view on the Buffalo side of things, like we we spoke about Gore, I am looking forward to Singletary coming back. He did look very good last week. Um, and obviously, we know Laura's Gore sorry, is a sort of placemat for the... Uh, for this season, at least, but he—it was evident he was going to do a good job after the uh after the Bengals' defensive display last week. But
2: yeah, he's—he's—he's he's a, he's a trusted vet. You, you know, it's a good good contract, a good player to bring in. He's going to be yeah, of good, course. good for the locker room. You know, just a good guy. So definitely, I mean.
1: OK, well, we will uh, we will move on from from that one over to the game that I watched, and that was the Detroit Lions beating the Philadelphia Eagles 27-24. The, the Lions are off to a 3-0 start. I think many people found that surprising. They they managed to see away the Chargers last week, and they, they again saw the, the Eagles in a close game and won this week. But some stat lines from them, Matt Stafford, 18 for 32, 201 yards passing and one touchdown no interceptions he wasn't fantastic um but he, he didn't do any make any fatal errors which is obviously exactly what you need when you're playing this sort of defense because the eagles have got a solid defense and we we've seen that many a times Harry on johnson his first game where he really got a, a big chunk of the uh, of the workload 20 carries but for only thirty-six yards and a touchdown. It's a bit disappointing, especially for fantasy fans. Obviously a lot of people touted him as a, a top top RB and taken in the sort of second, third round, and he's really not shown that so far. Um and it's yeah, it's a bit frustrating There's still plenty of the season left, so hopefully he can pick up a little bit. Marvin Jones had a brilliant day, six receptions, hundred and one yards and a touchdown. He sort of torched the uh the Eagles secondary for, for much of the game. And then the flip side of that, Kenny Galladay, he had eight targets, but only caught two of those for 17 yards. Like I said, though, Stafford's had a, an all right day, he got the job done, but I mean, Kenny Galladay's stats are evident there, of, uh, yeah, he really, wasn't, he really wasn't in it. And then the rookie sensation from week one, TJ Hawkinson, two targets, one reception, one yard. There's two weeks in a row now he has been irrelevant almost. Well, no, completely irrelevant. I did call it last week in my Rookie Watch article and they said that the Eagles um, have got one of the better tight end defences in the league. And last week they played Chargers, who were the best last year. So I don't think many people would have played him this week. Um, Hopefully you didn't because you'd be really annoyed if you did. The only real other takeaway from the Lions side of things is uh, Agnor. Most of people won't know who he is, but he is their kick returner. He scored a 100-yard kick return after being benched last week, so that was a nice little redemption story for him. And then on the Eagles side, uh, Carson Wentz had a pretty good game, um, considering he got injured last week and they were getting hounded for a lot of the game this week. Uh, nineteen of thirty-six, two hundred and fifty-nine yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, he led some real good drives, and he was well. The Eagles were very unlucky towards the end of the game. Um, I think it was forty-nine seconds left. Forty-nine seconds left. Uh, went through up to our Fager White side, um, and he got at the five-yard line on a fourth down, and that sort of. Killed the game for them if they'd have caught that they could have tied it up with a field goal or even one with a touchdown and Dallas Goddard also dropped the touchdown in the end zone as well so Wentz was unlucky not to have a, a, couple, a at least one more touchdown and he should have really been able to lead his team but he got let down all over the park Miles Sanders 13 carries 53 yards zero touchdowns he also caught two receptions for 73 yards he did fumble the ball twice. He was another one who lost a critical ball um, on a drive. Um, one of the fumbles they Eagles did recover, but they they lost one, and the, I believe the Lions scored from it. Jordan Howard, eleven for thirty-seven and one. Del Peterson's not lying. This is a running back committee, as we all were hoping wasn't true, but it definitely mm-hmm. is. And Jordan Howard is the goal line back at this stage. Sackhurst had a relatively quiet game, considering Alshon Jeffrey and the Sean Jackson were out. I expected a lot more from him, but he finished on four receptions for 64 yards. And the guy who did benefit from those two Robert being out was Nelson Aguilar. Eight receptions, 50 yards, and two touchdowns. He also, though, lost a fumble. Two weeks in a row, he has made a critical error. He dropped a surefire touchdown late last week that would have likely have won the game against the Falcons. And then he's fumbled this week that was picked up by Slayer and resulted in a field goal. And when you lose by three... Your wide receivers dropped it and they conceded a field goal. It's a lot of it's on his shoulders. The only other point I've got to make is that um the Eagles in this game lost both their starting tackles, Jason Peters and Andre Dillard. Now I don't know the extent of their injuries that they both went down in the first half and they didn't come back. Uh we'll have to obviously keep an eye on that as well as the uh the other injuries they got stacking up. But yeah, I mean that's that's about it from, from my from my point of view on it.
2: I mean, it seems it seems like a really good thing that on Johnson is getting involved, and they can take some of the load off Matt Stafford. Over the years, you know, it's been his arm or nothing. Um, I mean, they had that ridiculous stretch of our hundred-yard rusher. You know, that went on for a couple of seasons. Um, so it's good to see them even it out. I mean, it's not going to help anyone in fantasy necessarily, but <laughs> you know, if you own Matt Stafford, but it's definitely going to help that team win games. And I, I mean, that's got to contribute to being three and zero. Obviously, with the Eagles, you just want to see him get healthy again because if Carson Wentz is being let down with drops, that's that's when you need your, your top two guys and losing the tackles as well. You, you don't want this to drag on for too many weeks because otherwise, you can get in a couple of game hole real quickly. Yeah, with Dallas in, Dallas in that division, you know, already looking hot. You know, they've got to keep on pace for a wild card spot.
1: Yeah, they've got a fight on their hands already in that division. I mean, the Lions, are yeah, one one two two and obviously the draw to start the year against Cardinals. But they've put away two two playoff contending teams. So, we'll have to wait and see if they're legit or if it's just a, a good start to the year. So, we will move on to the next game. Back over to you, Lee. And I think we're going to go to the Patriots, who... To
2: the Jets. So this is a game I love being a Dolphins fan. <laughs> Jets and the, the Jets and the Patriots. So this finished the 30 to 14 in favor of the Patriots in New England. The Jets down to their third quarterback for the year in just three games. Um, but Luke Falk was 12 of 22 for 98 yards and an interception. I mean, uh, kind of what you're going to expect from your third string quarterback in, in week three. Lev Bell on the ground had, was 18. Carries for 35 yards, four receptions for another 28 yards, giving him 63 but no touchdowns. And Braxton Berrios led them receiving with two for 29 yards. Not great. I mean, Bell actually had four receptions but went for less yards. So, I mean, a a team that's beat up already at this stage, another team that's beat up um, struggling. I mean, also, of course, they're playing the Patriots. Um, And on the Patriots side of things, Tom Brady was Tom Brady. Did did we does um, twenty eight forty two uh, for sorry completed twenty eight of forty two passes for three hundred and six yards and two touchdowns. Rex Burkhead was eleven carries for forty seven yards and six receptions for twenty two yards, giving him sixty nine yards total on the day and a touchdown. And Josh Gordon was six receptions for eighty three yards on 11 targets. I'd like to see Josh Gordon do well. I think he is a great player and you just want to see him keep himself right off the field because he can be exciting. He did have some great catches in the game, did leave briefly with an injury, so we'll have to see on his fitness going forwards. But this is just a case of two teams going in different directions. You know, the Patriots are obviously a Super Bowl contender. That's, you know, not really up to debate. The Jets, on the other hand, are beat up. They've got a new coach, a new system. Interestingly, I did see some tweets online from Jets fans saying, how can you throw a screen pass on third and nine? That's something you're going to have to get used to with Adam Gase. <laughs> loves the screen pass and he loves it in the worst situation possible. You know, Again, from a fantasy perspective, it's why you have to be a little bit cautious of Lev Bell because... Adam Gase does run running back by committee as much as possible. He also, he just doesn't like to feature a, a back. He would rather go out there and throw the ball over the field, come hell or high water. And it's usually high water, unfortunately. So I think it could be a long season. It's something to be aware of from a fantasy perspective that, I say, his coaching style. Three games into the season, you'd like to think he might have learned from his time in Miami, but it seems that he's doing the same things in, in the same way.
1: Yeah, I uh- no, I've not really ever been a big fan of Adam Gase. He was highly touted because of what he managed to do with, with quarterbacks. But how much of that was down to him and how much of that was down to the quarterbacks?
2: Yeah, I mean, Peyton, when, you, when you're coaching Peyton Manning, you know, I, yeah. I think he's probably doing some of the work as well. I'd say so, yeah. I think just from a, a
1: purely a fantasy point of view, the Jets on most fronts are irrelevant. You you would still start Le'Veon Bell at the minute. He is still Le'Veon Bell at the end of the day. And they will improve once Darnold comes back. And obviously they have got a few injuries on defence as well. Mosley's a big difference. You can see from the first game they were in it right up until he went out against the Bills and they've struggled since then. My my main pickup from this game is from the Patriots side and it's Sony Michel. I mean yes he got a touchdown but he is—he split the backfield, and he only got eleven yards. He has not looked great at times this season. I know he had obviously the off-season surgery. Do you think that's still a factor, or do you just think this is the Patriots' game plan?
2: I think it's probably the truth lies somewhere in the middle because the Patriots like to use the the back dependent on dependent on the matchup. If he is still carrying some rust from from the injury. Um, you you could use him sparingly in these first three games. I mean, they played the Steelers, who and are now 0-3. Sorry, don't want to rub it in. <laughs> My Dolphins, who oh. also are also 0-3. I'm in the same boat with you. <laughs> yes. um, and the Jets, who, who are beat up. So, you know, maybe they're saving him for a bit later in the season. You can do that. You know, if he's come back from injury, I think you can play it slightly cautiously. But also, it's always been the New England thing. You know they're gonna they're gonna use a running back dependent on the matchup week to week. So you, I think you have to be careful and select carefully where you're gonna put put each back in.
1: Yeah, definitely. My only other thing from this game is obviously Julian Edelman went down with a rib injury as well. Um, I seen on my phone just before he started that they are pretty optimistic he'll play, but that is worth monitoring, um, especially in, in the fantasy community. If you if you do have him, just keep up to date with the news because it does go right up to the line, and it, we've seen it. A lot this week. I mean, Jeffrey was a game time decision. There was, you know, there was loads of people that were game time decisions. So,
2: yeah, especially with Josh Gordon getting a bit, picking up a bit of a knock as well, and obviously losing and losing Antonio Brown, cutting Antonio Brown <laughs> during the week. I mean, there's a possibility there to be down three receivers if things go really badly. So,
1: yeah, pick up Philip Dorsett if he's available. That's all I've got to say. Definitely. Right. Let's move on to the next game. Um, and we'll go back to me for the Falcons against the Colts. The Colts were at home and they managed to see out a 27-24 victory. Um, stat line from the Falcons. Matt Ryan had a pretty good day. I've, I've been a bit down on him so far this season. I mean, he's, he's been scoring relatively well, but he's not looked amazing. Um, he looked better this, this week despite the loss. 29 completions off 34 attempts. 304 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. Fonte Freeman, he got the workload today purely, well, sorry, Sunday, purely because um, Smith went down injured. That translated to 16 carries and 88 yards on the ground. Not much to say in the in, um in the reception. I think he had a two for seven. Julio Jones, he is Julio Jones. Eight, eight receptions, 128 yards and a touchdown. I think I said it last week, he is... In my opinion, one of the top wide receivers so far this year. Um, he's proved it pretty much every week. Calvin Ridley, what happened to him? One target, one reception, one yard. That surprised me. I mean, I know the Colts have got a relatively good uh, defence this year, but he had a big game last week. Uh, I expected there's some more decent numbers from him. But they all went to Sanu. Six receptions, 75 yards. And Austin Hooper, six receptions, 66 yards, and two touchdowns. Hooper is a starting tight end at this stage. We've got he he is favoured by Matt Ryan. He was last year. He finished in the top ten tight ends last year. He will not get you. I say he won't get. He got two touchdowns. I say, he won't get you massive numbers week in week out. But he is consistent and he is a favourite, one of the favourite targets from Matt Ryan. The O line still looks. Horrendous. That's probably one of the reasons why I've not been so high on Matt Ryan so far this year. Penalties were a key thing in their loss this week. 16 penalties for 128 yards, the Falcons gave up. That is a killer. Some teams only just... I mean, some teams don't even get 128 yards and a half. Some teams struggle to get 128 yards in a game. Dolphins. <laughs> but... <All right>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only other thing from the uh, Falcon side of things is on the defence Keanu Neal went down uh, looked like an ankle injury it's actually been diagnosed as chronically so that's him done for the year which is a real shame because he lost the whole of last season in the first game last, at the start of last year as well so yeah not great Colts side of things Rosette looks very good he is uh, capable quarterback to replace Andrew Luck and he is showing that so far much more than he was in 2017 and I would say that is down to the line more so than not they are one of the best, no, I wouldn't say they're one of the best but they are up there with, um, with the O line units in the NFL. He finished 28 um, completions off 37 attempts, 310 yards and two touchdowns. Marlon Mack had a good day Obviously, there was a bit of scepticism about his availability after his calf injury, but 16 carries, 74 yards and touchdown, and then he got 14 yards through the air as well, and the calf didn't appear to bother him at all. Same, unfortunately, can't be said for Hilton. He had a good game, eight receptions, 65 yards and a touchdown, but as soon as he caught that touchdown, he left the field straight away. It was about 10 seconds before the end of the half, straight into the locker room. He didn't come back out. He's re-aggravated the quad. Worryingly, the medical staff at the Colts said they didn't want him to, turn, to tear his quad. I mean, if he was that in that bad of shape, I'm surprised they play him, played him. Like I say, he had a good game and he got eight receptions. But, yeah, I mean, worrying.
2: Well, that's it. A- Tell you what, if all it takes is saying, I don't want him to tear his quad to work on the medical stuff for the Colts, I mean, you might get jobs yeah, out I know. there. Oh, um,
1: obviously, like I said, Brissette is looking good. In fact, he's had 115-plus pass rating in two out of his three games so far this year. Colts shouldn't be worried about, about having him under centre, and he's, he's proven that so far. Adam Vinatieri... We all heard what he did last week. Got getting the uh, media staff in and then telling them that there was absolutely nothing. <laughs> he uh, he managed to bounce back. He scored both his field goals this week. I mean, and that's that's about it. From
2: he definitely looked like Jacoby Brissett was was calm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, you know it, he's confident out in the field. He doesn't. He hasn't got those feet where you, uh, they're running around like crazy. He, he he seems calm, collected. He knows obviously knows the offense and. It, understands how to run it
1: yeah exactly he like he's had a he's had a whole year sitting behind luck last year he obviously had a 2017 season of playing he's had most of this offseason as I assume from internally the starting the starting quarterback um and like I say that that O-line and the weapons are a lot better than they were um yeah I think he like I say he's going to be capable year and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Colts are challenging for the uh the top spot in their division. Okay, we will move back on. We will move on Uh, back over to Lee for Raiders and the Vikings.
2: Okay, so the Raiders, after being off to a bit of a hot start week one, have struggled that these past two weeks. They lost this game, fourteen to thirty-four, in Minnesota. Derek Carr was twenty-seven for thirty-four, for two hundred and forty-two yards, two touchdowns, and interception. Um, Josh Jacobs was ten carries for forty-four yards after some doubt um, about whether he would play. Um, he also had two. He also had two targets. Didn't catch either of them. A little bit of a concern as it was a knock on him coming out of college. Um, even though he looked better earlier in um, in week one, so I mean I, I expect they'd keep going to him, give him some confidence, keep building on that. So they gave him forty-four yards for the game. And Darren Waller led the way again this week. With 13 receptions for 134 yards on 14 targets, but no touchdowns. He's led the team in receiving last week and this week. And for the Vikings, Kirk Cousin, again, not a massive amount of attempts. He, He was 15 for 21 for 174 yards and a touchdown. Delvin Cook was... 16 carries for 110 yards with a further four receptions for 33 yards, giving him 143 yards on the day. One touchdown and Earth Smith led them receiving with three catches for 60 yards on three targets, a so 100% um, completion um, on, on his receptions. I don't want to be that person that that, that sort of puts it out there. But the Kirk Cousins might just be the sort of typical game manager because they have looked good the less they've, asked him to throw the ball and I think you know there's nothing wrong with that it's definitely if it works for you it can be superb I mean people criticize Alex Smith for years but he won plenty of games he's a good quarterback if you can win running the ball run the ball you know um but I think it's definitely a model that that they've tried in the first three weeks it's worked for them Definitely expect to see a lot more of it going forward.
1: Yeah, if they can keep Dalvin Cook fit, and to be honest, the way Ma- uh, Alexander Madison played, even if Cook was to miss time, they've got two very capable running backs, and arguably one of those running backs is a top five. Actually, there's probably no arguing about it, especially not at the minute he is performing like a top five running back. Um, and yeah, they, I, I agree. I think he... Cousins to me looks more like a game manager. I don't. I think he can potentially win you a game, but not not often. I think he relies on the the pieces around him, which is it's like yeah? I agree. There's nothing wrong with that, but from a from a fantasy perspective, which is what I look at most things. <laughs> man, it's frustrating if you've got Adam Phelan or uh, Stefan Diggs. I mean, Phelan had a good day because he obviously got the uh, he obviously got the Russian. Touchdown and the receiving touchdown, but yeah, you just you're not you're not confident starting him at the minute, or either of them at the minute. On that whole offense, Dalvin Cook is probably the only one you're 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 confident in starting. Alexander Matson, if he continues to get ten to twelve touches a game, you could potentially start him as well because he's going to rattle off a, a decent amount of yards and probably get a touchdown. But yeah, I mean they're not the most uh, appealing offence at the minute, even though they did score 36, 34 points.
2: Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's a... Kirk Cousins has now got 19 straight games with a touchdown pass. Uh, like, he, he gets the job done. Mm. I say, I don't I don't use the, the, the term game manager as an insult. I think it's that's what I want my quarterback to do. Whether he's Peyton Manning or Alex Smith, I want them to control the game. And if that means handing the ball off, do it. Call the protection, hand the ball off, Win the game, yeah. Because at the end of the day, I don't care how my team wins. He says supporting an 0 three team, <laughs> but you know, but you know what I'm saying. I take it right now. That's it. All you want is win, certainly. And if that means handing the ball off, I, I, hey, I can live with it. No, definitely.
1: Um, from my point of view, from the Raider side, I agree with you on Josh Jacobs. I'm very surprised they're not using him in the passing game. That was one of the main things he was touted for in Alabama. But, yeah, for one reason or another, they're choosing not to. Don't know why, but there's clearly John Gruden's got a reason behind it. And I'm going to call my shot here. Darren Waller will be a top six tight end come the end of the season in fantasy. He has been by far and away their best player and probably one of the top consistent uh, tight ends after a, a certain Ravens tight end who we'll get to later as display.
2: <laughs> it clearly has a great connection with Derek Carr. So. Yes, yeah, it's, it's sort of, uh, and, and you can't—that's priceless, definitely. Because you know, we've seen good tight ends go to go to different teams, play with great quarterbacks, and it just—if you're not on the same page, it don't work. It's really. tough. Sledding. Well,
1: look at Jared Cook; he was phenomenal last year with Derek Carr, and it's not been that great so far this year. Well, uh, it's it's good. I, I'm glad to see it. I know, obviously, a lot of people are targeting Darren Waller as a sleeper in fantasy um, over the off season, but considering how his NFL career started, obviously the suspension. He was quite open on hard knocks about his drug issues and it's just good to have that story behind him and to see him doing so well and long may it continue unless it's against the Steelers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He seemed like a guy who's owning his demons right now and it's great to see. There's too many stories in in the NFL of it going the other way for players and so same with Josh Gordon. You just like to see those players get through it. Yeah, definitely.
1: Right, we will jump on to the next game um, and back over to me. The, uh, the Denver Broncos up the Green Bay Packers. Packers, Packers at Lambeau Fields. They won it 27-16. They effectively shut Flacco out. I mean, his stat line, 20 completions off 29. So it's a, it's a good completion rate, but it only resulted in 213 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. The, the Packers' defence shut him down all game, basically. Six sacks, seven tackles for a loss, two forced fumbles and a pick. Obviously, the forced fumbles weren't all on Flacco, but the rest of it was. The run game, I mean, Lindsay and Freeman both look good so far. Lindsay started off quiet, but he had his, He had a big game this week. But this is a split backfield, if ever I've seen one, up there with the uh, Patriots and the Eagles. Philip Lindsay, 21 21 carries, 81 yards, two touchdowns. He caught 40, he caught four receptions of 49 yards. And then Royce Freeman, 15 carries, 63 yards. And he also caught four touchdowns, four receptions, but only 10 yards. Main takeaway from that is that compared to last year, they're both now splitting the receptions. It's a pretty even split. I mean, as he won out, like I say, this week with the uh, with the more yards and more touchdowns. Hopefully, that results in him having a bit more say in the uh, backfield. But forgive me, I can't remember who the head coach is. Oh, uh, Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio. Yeah, he seems committed to to splitting these two, and rightly so. They've both got good talent, but like I say, I look at it with fantasy black ice and it's a bit frustrating. Emmanuel Sanders come back down to earth after his impressive start coming um, off that Achilles injury here and he caught two for 10 yards but like I said the, the Packers shut down Flacco all day and we were getting nothing through the air on to the Packers side of things Aaron Rodgers another consistent game from him 17 completions off 29 235 yards and a touchdown Interesting fact, um, obviously depending on, on format, but Aaron Rodgers has yet to score over 20 points in fantasy so far this year. Considering he was one of the top three quarterbacks taken, that's that's not great. It's a bit frustrating for a lot of fantasy owners. On the running back side of things, again, for some reason, another split backfield. Now, I don't quite get this. Granted, Jamal Williams, 12 for 59 and Aaron Jones was only 10 for 19, he did score two touchdowns, Aaron Jones is by far and away the superior running back out of these two, and it baffles me that the fleur continues to use William so much. Use him as a, um, whilst if you need to take Jones out for a rest, but this is effectively a split backfield, a running back by committee between these two, and I just don't understand why. I don't know what, what
2: do you have any thoughts on them at all, Lee? Not necessarily specific to these these players. Just I think he's becoming a, a a trend in the NFL that coaches want to be able to have a split backfield. They don't want to rely on one guy because when that one guy goes down, we've seen in the past your team gets in can, can be in a lot of trouble. So you need to make sure you develop two backs. And I just think it's it's a trend where we're going to see as many teams try and do it as possible.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that is a fair comment. Obviously, Jones the last couple of years has dealt with his injury, so there could be could be a bit of that in coming into play. Um, but I mean, after the week he yeah, had last week, I'm just um, I am surprised about that he only got 19 yards. Um, his his touchdown, one of his touchdowns, was very impressive the way he got it. But
0: that,
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's just a bit surprising. The only other thing on on here, Devontae Adams didn't have a great game, 456, but he's still a, an elite wide receiver and he'll he'll get his all year. But MBS, Marquez and Valdez Scantlin appears to be the number two back, uh, the number two wide receiver in Green Bay. He outstap, Allison, 88% to 46. So um, Allison, will, again, he is a good wide receiver and he's a good third option there. But there was a bit of an argument in the off season about which one of those two were going to take the uh, number two slot and it looks like Valdez Scanton's got that one tied down, especially after uh, six receptions, 99 yards and a touchdown. I think the uh, first touchdown was on the second or third play of the game or, or the first drive, and it was that a 40-yard bomb from Rodgers. So, yeah, he... Uh,
2: off, off his back Yeah,
1: <laughs> as, as he usually does. So, yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is still an elite quarterback, I just think.
2: Like I say, from, from
1: a fantasy perspective, there's... So many young quarterbacks now in the league who are doing such ridiculous things. You look back three, four, five years ago; twenty points to a quarterback was a good week. Now it's a a, a damn week for 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 most quarterbacks. So, but I I'm not worried about him yet. Um, that's about it. That's all I've got for for that game, Lee. You got any other thoughts on that one point? Swiftly on.
0: No,
2: let's move on.
1: All right, we will move on. Okay. Back over to you and we will go and see your Dolphins who were facing the Cowboys.
2: Okay, so I don't want to sound too biased here but this was actually a, a far more interesting game than it probably should have been. So, finished 31-6 to 6 in favour of Dallas, not too surprising to most people, but it was 10-6 at the half, and you could easily argue the Dolphins should have been in front. At that point, the Cowboys are definitely playing down to their opponents. I'll get back onto that probably in a little bit. But from the stats point of view, Josh Rosen started this game, um, his first start of the season and the first start for Miami. He went 18 of 39 for 200 yards, no touchdowns. Um, Drake led the way on the ground. Say led the way. Probably the best of <laughs> Best of a bad bunch. But he was um, 12 carries for 38 yards and three receptions for 34 yards, giving him 72 on the day, no touchdowns. And Preston Williams led the way receiving with four receptions for 68 yards. For the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, obviously playing quarterback, was 19 from 32 for 246 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Ezekiel Elliott led the way on the ground with 19 carries for 125 yards. He had two receptions for 14 yards, giving him 139 on the day with no touchdowns, and Amari Cooper um, led the way receiving. Had a good day with six for 88 yards and two touchdowns on seven targets, so good good, good um, reception percentage. This is an interesting game. I say more interesting than it should have been. It, it looks like a blowout, and it was in the end. The second half was a different game to the first half. I mean, from a Dolphins point of view, I don't know how Ryan Fitzpatrick was allowed to start the season. He didn't look better in the preseason. He's not looked better at any time, even when Rosen came in, you know, at the end of games when the team was down. He just looked better. Not sure whether that's a case of coaching staff getting him ready for this as a starter, and they thought he would not perform so well as the starter in the first place. That's the only thing that makes sense. The other thing is Preston Williams had a couple of drops on the day Josh Rosen was let down by his wide receivers, should have had two touchdowns, Um, both were dropped. Preston Williams was was guilty of one of those, but has looked good. And he's the sort of player that maybe in a dynasty league, he's worth looking at. I mean, Xavier Howard, best cornerback on the team, said he believes he has the traits to be a number one receiver in the NFL. And he's shown flashes of it. As an undrafted free agent, he's going to take time to, to really hone his craft, but definitely worth a look if you can pick him up somewhere. I mean, I didn't put him on a taxi squad. He's worth, yeah. he's worth the chance. And also Josh Rosen's come out and said, he's his best friend on the team. They've worked together a lot on second team, which I think count, yeah. counts for a lot.
1: Yeah, definitely. Preston Williams is by far and away. I mean, it's probably not difficult. I expect a lot of people at the moment to say it, but he's by far and away my favorite um, Dolphins player. Um, I liked him a lot in the off season. I've written an article about him, and I've also got him coming up in my latest rookie watch. But he, like like you said, he is he has got a good talent. The only reason he was undrafted is because of off field issues. I think realistically, he he could have well been uh, potentially a third, even higher round pick if it wasn't for those problems. And he has showed it in spurts this year. Um, it's always difficult when you're in this sort of offense to to shine and. He was, like you say, at fault for that uh, that drop. But no, I, I do like him. He should uh, he should have a good career as long as he keeps his head down and the the dolphins can improve. But I mean, they can't. Yeah, you'd
2: like you'd like to think Brian Flores coming out of the New England Patriots sort of model. He was there for a, for many years. Is the right sort of coach to keep him on the straight and narrow. You know, if it can be done, you'd like to think he's in a good situation there. But moving on to the Cowboys. I say that the score flatters them because they were not good in the first half at all. And th- this worries me about the Cowboys because I think they've done it over the years. They played down to their opponents. I, this is what, this is what costs them when it really counts because this is a team that they should have blown out, but they should have been more than that. They should have had more than 10 points in the first half. I say it's just, it's just a concern, concern to me. They didn't look sharp. They looked like they, they knew they would win the game. I mean, you could say they were right because they obviously did. But I think it took a it would have taken a bit of a tongue-lashing from the coaches at half time to really get them playing straight. They definitely came out of the locker room at half time, playing like a different team.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think they have looked much better than they have in previous seasons, and I do like what um Keelan Moore's doing for this this offense. But I, I think you're right, they they went into this game almost assuming they were going to win. I mean, you can never assume, but let's be honest, at the moment, with the way Dolphins have been, they were probably quite right in thinking that they were going to win. But when you get, oh, when you get too overconfident, it can sometimes backfire. I have a couple of po- I didn't see anything of this game because I had issues with Game Pass, and I'm sure many of our listeners experienced that frustration as well. Oh, yes. But my first one is on the back on the Dolphin side, why did Ryan Fitzpatrick get on the field for two, uh,
2: two passes? What happened there? So Josh Rosen was trying to slide, didn't really slide particularly well, and, and got tackled at the same time. His head hit the turf, and I think it was a bit of a combination of the, the shredded tyre that they use on the turf there. He had some of that in his eyes, and also they called down from upstairs to say, can you check him for a concussion? Because he was lying on the ground, and he, he threw his hands up onto his head. I think it was more because he couldn't see than a concussion. But he was only out of the out of the game for two plays. Ryan Fitzpatrick, two plays might have been three. Ryan Fitzpatrick came in, handed the ball off twice, and then threw the ball down the field. It was a good throw, to be fair. He avoided some pressure, threw the ball down the field. But I mean, just at that point, Josh Rosen was really waiting to come back in, and they obviously didn't put him straight back in, but. Shouldn't be anything to worry about going forwards. No, fair enough.
1: I just, uh, I just seen that on there, and it surprised me. That's all. <laughs> uh, the other one's still on the dolphin side. Why did they throw three passes to Belarge after he ducks last week?
2: <laughs> I don't know because it wasn't any better this week. No, I know one one mean, 10 wouldn't it? But oh. this is definitely something that, that we should probably address. Is a lot of people were want high on Kenyon Drake going into the season. He has been poor. He was bad yesterday. And i said it a few times on a few other podcasts. No coaching staff seems to trust him. And this is now the third coaching staff that they just refuse to use him as a featured back. He doesn't seem to get... He He's not even starting at the moment. Kalen Balazs is after he ducked a pass last week. You know, and then the end of the first half when the Dolphins were driving, looked like they were going to take the lead of the game. Kenny Drake fumbles in the red zone, trying to make a spin move. I mean, he ends up Whilst making the spin move, he's got his back to the defense. Someone pops the ball out, it's recovered by the Cowboys. I mean, I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to win that game, but it would have been very interesting to see them go into the half leading in a game where they were the better team at that point. Uh, I think you could hear the crowd was nervous in the first half in, in Dallas. It was a say at that point, it was a poor performance, but they, they turned it on and they, they got the ship righted. No, that's, yeah, fair enough. I think the only other takeaway
1: I'll take from this is um, on the Dallas side of things. Obviously, Tony Pollard and Zeke both had um, over 100 yards on the ground. Um, From a Pollard point of view, he is still a handcuff. Obviously, playing the Dolphins played into the fact that he had 13 carries. Um, Zeke is still the workhorse there and is the guy to obviously clearly own. But if Pollard's available, some people may have dropped him. Um, he's worth picking up as a stash and if, if there's a positive matchup, then he will do this and he's got the talent to do so.
2: It certainly looked good on the day.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw a few highlights. I saw his touchdown but like I say, I've I, I missed most of this game so I'm um, just going by the box scores but we will, uh, we will move swiftly on. Um, we'll go back over to uh, myself, to the Giants who were in Tampa Bay and they squeaked out a 32-31 victory against the Buccaneers, which I'm sure Murph was devastated about. He put a few uh, messages in the group saying to watch them while I was having a few issues. So, And to be fair, looking at that scoreline, it, it looked like it was a it was a very good game. We'll start off with a giant side, Daniel Jones, making his first ever NFL start. Uh, competitive, that is. Um, 23 completions off 36, 336 yards in the air, two touchdowns four rushing attempts for 28 yards and two touchdowns. He did lose the ball twice. Um, at times, he was very looking downfield and not paying any attention to what was around him and on one of those, he did get hit and that is why he lost the ball. So he has got to, sort of, his pocket vision has got to improve. But all in all, he it was a solid debut from him. Considering the offense that he's on um, and the team that he's playing for, he looked good. Good arm. Um, he had good vision down the field and to escape the pocket um, at times. At least, obviously, he escaped the pocket quite well when he scored the game-winning touchdown. Granted, the, there was no one around him in the defense. But <laughs> I mean, some some quarterbacks wouldn't have even contemplated doing that. So, I mean, good on him for for going for it.
2: No, we should. I, I will try and get um, it posted on on five yard later, the exact same thing happened at the end of the Browns-Rams game late last night, and Baker Mayfield didn't run through that hole. There we go. I think I saw something
1: earlier. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I can't remember where I read it from, but he, met, he, is, he has ran the third quickest out of quarterbacks so far this year, only behind Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, who you would expect to both be up there. So he's got some legs on him, but like I say, yeah, solid game. Saquon Barkley, another injury for the fantasy community. Um, he has got a high ankle sprain. He's come out early this afternoon that he's likely going to be out between four to four to eight weeks. They have their bye in week 10, so he could well be out until then. Um, so you may well only get him last six games or five games of the fantasy season, six if you get to the championship. But even before that, I mean... This Bucks defensive line looks solid so far this year. Uh, Their run defence is very good. Um, They shut him down eight attempts and only 10 yards. Um, Passing-wise, obviously, Daniel Jones had a good day in the air, so his receivers are going to profit from that. Uh, Evan Ingram, six receptions, 113 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Sterling Shepard, good to see him back, seven receptions, 100 yards and a touchdown. And then the rookie, uh, Arius Slayton, who I picked up in a few deep dynasty leagues in the off-season, but he finished three receptions for 82 yards. So, worth keeping an eye out for him. Obviously, Golden Tate is back week five. And he's got one more week count, so Slayton may still have some impact next week and then it obviously we'll have to wait and see from there on. But I haven't got much more to take away barring, obviously, the Barkley and Jones from the Giants' side. Um, anything from you
2: before I move on to Bucks on the Giants, Lee? Yeah, um, I just think Daniel Jones managed to bring that performance in the preseason where he looked good and looked confident against backups, but looked good and confident and looked at yesterday. I mean, we said in the dry run for this last week, you've got to give him a go over Eli. The team was going nowhere. Eli's obviously on the back nine of his career. They had nothing to lose. So he's gonna. I'm sure he's gonna have some rough games as well. But at the same time, he did everything to, you know, to show that maybe the Giants are right in moving up, and we were all wrong for. I say we. I mean, most people in the media were wrong for, the um, slate and the pick at six.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously we will have to wait and see. But off to, off that display in the preseason, they they made a good move picking him up, and only time will tell, I suppose. Um. On the Buck side of things, obviously they were unfortunate to be on the losing end of this. Jameis Winston had a, a relatively solid game. Um, I say relatively, I, he had a good game actually. 23 completions of 37 attempts, 380 yards, three receptions and one touchdown. It's nice to see him keeping the touch, the um, the interceptions down, because that's always been a thing with him. Um he can. He's very. He can be very scatty with a ball um, under pressure, and he will just lob it up. And last couple of weeks now, he's sort of he has. Bruce Arians seems to be getting through to him, um, which is good to see. Mike Evans is definitely back. Obviously, after a couple of quiet weeks, and Godwin grabbing all the headlines in uh, Tampa Bay, a hundred and ninety yards and three touchdowns off of eight receptions. This is what happens when you single cover Mike Evans, Denoris Jenkins, at least in the first half, got absolutely, just got beat up all around the field by him. He did quiet him down a bit in the second half, right up until Evans jumped up and got a 44 yard catch, which they, which unfortunately the Bucks didn't convert. I think they would have won the game or or tied the game up. They've got a field goal from there. Uh, forgive me again. I, I didn't actually I missed the last little bit of the game. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Mike Evans, for all those people who are starting to get a bit worried about him, don't, he's going to be fine. O.J. Howard, he has sort of come back to life, I suppose. Three receptions for 66 yards, making up for the duds that he did in week two. This is a good offence with Bruce Arians. A lot of it does rest on Winston's shoulders, and if he does have an off game, most of these are going to struggle. You'll probably get one. Like Obviously, Godwin has had a couple of good games. Um, Mike Evans this week had a good game But If Winston Winston will run a lot of this offence And if he struggles This whole offence will struggle Running back wise Ronald Jones 14 carries 80 yards And Peyton Barber 13 carries 48 yards They're splitting the backfield They're splitting it relatively well Jones is looking better A lot better than he did last year Now he's actually given, being given the chances And the, the only other thing is the The Bucks kicking issues Seem to be continuing the rookie, fifth-round rookie, Matt Gay, missed two extra points in the first half. He then followed out with four straight field goals and then he shanked the game-winning field goal. Sorry, the game time was it the game? Yeah, game-winning field goal. Game-winning field goal. Game-winning field goal after they got a delay game. It would have been a 26-yard chip shot, obviously. Delay game, put it back to the 34-yard line and then he shanked it right. Yeah, I mean, it's just the the Bucks kickers. There seems to be a curse there, clearly. Because, I mean, I, uh, um, Roberto Aguayo, what was he, probably one of the best kickers in college. <laughs> and then yep. Matt Gay was a prolific kicker in college. And, yeah, I just, not you know, there's clearly some sort of curse
2: in that stadium. The, the, the delay of game was really interesting because I actually saw the, the, the last, the end of this game. They looked like they took the delay of game on purpose. No, no they were then going to take a knee to get to get the, the kicker the side of the field he wanted. Yeah. And for a kicker who'd already missed twice on the night, I was surprised that they were willing to sacrifice the five yards. I know it's only five yards, but hell, he'd he missed twice already. Like... Yeah, I'm fairly sure. I'm just going to have a quick look. But I'm fairly sure
1: Bruce Arians did say that they intentionally took the delay game. Let's have a quick look.
2: Yeah, it, it certainly looked that way watching it. Uh,
1: Bruce Arians fought longer kick. Yeah. He did. They did it intentionally. He thought a longer kick would be easier for Matt Gay, but he, he, was, wrong. he was very wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: and I'm actually flying out to Florida this week um, for tryouts. So nice. maybe I'll kick. Yeah, next week we could this, be seeing the
1: you kicking that kicking next week. <laughs> You're not joking about the flying out. You are actually flying out to. Uh... I'm actually flying out. <laughs>
2: not not for tryouts.
1: Not for so. tryouts. No, just for. Uh... But
2: I am available if they want to bring me in as well. Well,
1: you know, hit hit them up. They, at this rate, they might say yes.
2: <laughs> we have to hold the five-yard kicking competition.
1: Oh, let's all get together and do that. That'll be fantastic. We'll write that down. Actually, Merson Stock should listen to this. Uh, Merson Stock, take that, take that in mind.
2: This is what happens when you let the staff take over. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: We just we lose it and start coming up with mad ideas. <laughs> anyway, we better move on. Um, to where are we go next,
2: I don't know. Let's go to the Panthers and Cardinals which is... Let's do that. Because this, this was quite an interesting game with no Cam Newton. Yeah. Um,
0: um,
2: I think people would have been worried about the Cardinals. Uh, sorry, about the Panthers.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they didn't really need to be from the looks of it. Carl Allen. Wow. <laughs> On his first yeah, start. Well, another one with their first start. But, I mean, you wouldn't have thought so.
2: I mean, it sounds silly, but if Cam Newton's hurt and you want to give him the time to, you know to recover well before he returns rather than forced him back. Maybe they've got something, you know, they got something in Carl Allen where they can play him for an extended period of time. Quite possible. even if it was against the Cardinals, you know, yeah. probably one of the lower teams in the league. But I mean this finished thirty eight twenty to to the Panthers who were on the road. Um say so Carl Allen was nineteen of twenty six for two hundred and sixty one yards and four touchdowns. He did have two fumbles though and lost one of them. So I mean, it's definitely ball security is something to to note going forwards. Um, no surprising surprises that Christian McCaffrey led the way on the ground with 24 carries for 135 yards and three receptions for 35 yards, giving him 170 yards on the day and a touchdown. I mean, dual threat, one of the best in the league. Not much to say there, really. And Greg Olson, timeless, just keeps keeps going. Six receptions for 75 yards and two touchdowns on seven targets. Another good out-in. I mean, solid, solid player. Kyler Murray is an exciting player, but this Cardinals team is not great. And there's going to be, again, some ups and downs here. Made a lot of passing attempts. This air raid system that that they're using in Arizona is going to lead to this. So there's a potential there to put up a lot of yards but not necessarily um, all the time. And that's what happened yesterday. He went 30 for 43. Christian Kirk led led them receiving with 10 receptions for 59 yards on 12 targets. So not a terrible day. They just got outplayed on the day. Carlisle had the team moving. It helps when you don't have to rely on his arm, although he obviously played well. Only 26 attempts, but four touchdown passes. You can lean heavily on Christian McCaffrey because even though the teams know it's coming, he's so hard to defend.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had a quiet week last week, but he blimey, he bounced back, didn't he? I think a lot of the Cardinals' struggles are going to come from their own line. Um, they are consistently struggling. And Murray's most of Murray's rushing, despite the fact we finally saw him do some for 69 yards, like we say... Most of that did not come as design runs. That was him trying to escape and uh, keep the play alive. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I do. I like the look of him. He has got some good. He's got some good players around him, and you should you should think that they would do well. But yeah, I don't know. Only time only time will tell. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. Definitely, he's got the makeup for it. Barring the people say he's a bit small, but. He's got he's got good arm strength. Obviously, we know he can rush. We've seen it in college. We've seen it last night. Yeah, I mean, maybe um, Kingsbury just needs a bit more time to bed in exactly what he's looking for. And they need to sort out the O-line issues. I wouldn't expect too much from him this year, but he should be given time, hopefully.
2: Yeah, I mean, new head coach, new quarterback. um They're going to to need time. There's going to be some ebbs and flows there um, in regards to performance. The O-line is is going to be an issue. It's also hard to – it must be hard on the O-line when you're blocking for a guy who is short. It must change the dynamic slightly because you need those passing lanes to be a little bit wider. He needs to be able to see things clearly. And also, if he scrambles, it's hard to protect him when he runs, runs around the field.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, He does He does escape the pocket quite a lot um, and then sort of does leave himself a bit open. And I saw that more last week than I did this week. But like I say, it remains to be seen how well they'll, they'll actually do. Yeah, from a Panther side of things, the only thing I've got to take away from this is Carl Allen. Obviously, we already know it's been announced today that Cam Newton's sitting out week four. Like we say, he looked very, very good um, on the night. I'm hoping that it's not because of the Cardinals not being able to fully game plan against him because they haven't seen much. But, I mean, we'll, we will certainly know by next week if it was a one-off or not. The only downside, I mean, DJ Moore had a relatively quiet night, like, quiet night, like you said. But, obviously, that one reception went for a touchdown. So, from a fantasy point of view, he still worked out relatively well. And, and yeah, I think Greg Olsen is, at the moment, a tight end one. And if he's going to be used like that with Allen he's a, he's always the must start.
2: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see them next week against the Texans who, you know, have been in some close games.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Okay. Moving on to I hate to say it, but my Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> <laughs> another loss unfortunately uh, this time they went to San Francisco against the 49ers and the Niners won it 24-20 to 20. I mean one positive to take away from this is the defence looked a lot better yes they gave up 24 yards but in the first half they absolutely dominated Jimmy Garoppolo two interceptions Fitzpatrick got one on his debut two fumble recoveries <laughs> One of those fumbles was forced by Fitzpatrick. And, yeah, four, four turnovers in the first half, yet the Steelers could only be only led 6-3 at halftime. This defence, but even before they lost Big Ben, obviously it is a bit... They've got a, a reason now, if, if they continue to struggle, they don't have their starting quarterback. Mason Rudolph didn't look terrible on the night. 14 completions off 24 attempts, 174 yards and two touchdowns and one interception. But just, there's just something something seems to be fundamentally wrong. Um, James Connor is one of those. I just don't know what's happening at the moment with him. Again, maybe this knock is affecting him more than he's letting on, but he's still got 13 attempts that only went for 43 yards. And the killer on this is he lost a fumble with a minute and 15 to go on our own 24, and they got the go-ahead touchdown, which which obviously won him the game. So, um, Juju, he, he finished well, 81 yards off three receptions and a touchdown, but one of those was a 70-yard run off of a slant, so that his numbers are a bit skewed, but if, in fantasy you don't care as long as the end result's there. Deontay Johnson, the rookie, three receptions, 52 yards and a touchdown. That was nice to see. I pouted I him up um, quite a bit through the week, especially once I heard that he was starting. I also touted up James Washington um, and he only got two receptions for 14 yards, which I found the most surprising considering he was on for 92% of the snaps. Him and Rudolph played together at college. He was only targeted four times. And again, the Niners' defence also played very well. This was much more of a defensive game than it was an offensive game. And that may have been a factor. Rudolph didn't have a great deal of time in the pocket, but... I, I was surprised. I, if it had been Washington and Johnson's stats flipped, that would have made a bit more sense to me. I like that Johnson did well because I did like him coming out of college. He's a very unknown player, as the Steelers usually do when it comes to wide receivers. But, yeah, I'm surprised just how how bad Washington uh Not bad, but just the fact he wasn't used on the day surprised me quite a lot. From the 49ers' point of view, like I said earlier, Garoppolo didn't have, well, he had a terrible first half. Um, he picked it back up in the second half a bit. He ended the day 23 completions of 32 attempts, 277 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. He fumbled twice, as I said, and he lost it once. This backfield is still as confusing as ever. Raheem Mostert, 12 attempts, 79 yards. Matt Breeder, 14 attempts, 68 yards. And then good old Jeff Wilson, the vulture. Eight receptions, 18 yards and two touchdowns. Shanahan was not kidding when he said that Wilson is the goal line back. That's four touchdowns in two weeks now at the goal line. It's very frustrating if you're the breeder owner because he appears to be the the guy in between. Don't get me wrong, 68 yards on the day is good. But if you're not getting the goal line work and he's not being used a great deal in the pass down work, it's hard to start him week to week. It's hard to start any of these guys Purely because if Wilson doesn't get that touchdown, he's irrelevant. Most of uh, a breeder are, are split in the backfield, and if one of those don't get a touchdown, they're, they're not going to have a great day either. George Kittle, six receptions, 57 yards. That's not what you want to see when he, is a, he was the second or third tight end taken in drafts. A lot of this is getting down to Gropolo. No, none of their receivers had a great day. Debo Samuel, the rookie, three receptions, forty-four yards. At least Pettis finally got a touchdown. I mean, he has been non-existent the last the first two weeks, but he you finished a day with a touchdown, four receptions, twenty yards. But yeah, like I said, this was very much a defensive game. Um, both both defenses were uh, were pretty were pretty spot on all all game. And forty ers unfortunately managed to walk out with a victory, and they are three and zero for the first time first time since nineteen
2: ninety eight. Anything from you on this game, Lee? Yeah, I don't want to revel in your misery too much, <laughs> but unfortunately, our our interests aren't aligned here because every time you guys lose a game, our first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick gets better. So we actually said before we jumped on here that we think that, that that trade was a win for both sides he did look good for you guys I'm a big fan of his I've got to be honest I think he's a great player he did get pancaked by the um the Niners fullback yeah So you get a chance to see that probably s- people have seen that circulating on Twitter it's very impressive <laughs> yeah. but um I mean I think it's a, it's a that was a great trade for both teams I think he definitely will work out well for you but also, the more games you lose, the better off we are as well. So, I say it's a yes. It's it definitely a trade that suited both sides. I think so. Uh, like you say, if we do as bad as we've looked
1: at the minute, and we do end up in the top ten, it would be a bit frustrating that that we gave up that pick, that top ten pick. But on the flip side, Mick Fitzpatrick would uh, would arguably be, arguably be a top ten pick in this draft coming up. He is an exceptional talent, and we have lacked a real. Exceptional
2: safety for a number of years, possibly even back to Troy Polamalu. I mean, just as a, as a, as an interesting as a point of interest, would would it concern you if you guys struggled this season and you'd given up that top that that pick with the highly touted quarterback cast coming out? Would you have wanted? <sighs> um... Yes and no. I think the
1: 2021 class has also got some good quarterbacks. Um, burger. the report keeps coming out that he will be back. He didn't have Tommy John surgery, which is always a bonus when it comes to um, the, having surgery on your elbow. Um, I would expect him back next year. Granted, we don't know what we're going to see. He didn't start well, but I'm confident. I say I'm confident. I'll be okay riding him again next year with Rufo Rudolph. Backing him up, I don't think. I mean, Rudolph looks like he can do a job. If I'm worried as a whole for the um the organisation, to be honest, I think Tomlin seems to be getting caught out more so than not at the moment. And there has been some reports that maybe it's time for him to move on. I'm not calling that yet. He's done an exceptional job in the however long in his career there. I don't, I can't for the life of me remember, but it's been a long time, I think. But yeah, I don't know. It gets this sort of stage, and people do start saying, "Well, there needs to be a change." But we're only in the third game of the season. I'm not now I'm not expecting anything great from the Steelers now this year. But as long as we, as long as we don't finish bottom of the division, I'll be happy.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, let's say let's let's not overreact. It is only three games into yeah. the, the season. Of course, <laughs> and it, and it's Rudolph's first start. You know, so but I just just would sort of be you know interested to get your point of view on it.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get. I will. When it comes to draft day, I will be like, we could have had the seventh yeah. pick or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But well, I mean, we got a top ten pick this year, didn't we? Only because we traded up for it, but still, we got one anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. We will move on because we are. Uh, I'm conscious of the time that we're we're that's elapsing at the moment. So we'll move to the Saints at the Seahawks. which is back
2: over to you, Lee. So this was obviously Teddy Bridgewater's first start as the um, starting quarterback for the Saints after Drew Brees' injury. Uh, he's obviously had the surgery on his thumb, so we've got Bridgewater for the foreseeable future. The Saints actually go on the road here and win in Seattle. So, uh, you know, a big result for them. If they were going to have to start Bridgewater this year, I'm guessing they wouldn't want to do it on the road in Seattle. So I, I think they would definitely be feeling good um, after this. I and mean, He was 19-27 to 27 on the day for 177 yards. Um, Two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara led the way rushing with 16 carries for 69 yards um, and also nine receptions for 92 yards, which also led the way receiving, giving him 161 yards on the day and two touchdowns. For the Seahawks, Russell Wilson was 32 of 50 for 406 yards and two touchdowns, with Chris Carson leading the way on the ground, 15 carries for 53 yards and one reception for, two, uh, for minus two yards, giving him 51 yards on the day. Did have a fumble as well. Um, Tyler Lockett led them re- receiving with 11 catches for 54 yards and one touchdown on 14 targets. It, this, this is a bit of an interesting, interesting one because going into the third quarter, or midway through the third quarter, I believe it was, Seahawks actually had more than double the amount of yardage that the Saints did but only had seven points to show for it. it. That's that's a lot of moving around between the 20s without actually getting any points on the board. And from a Saints point of view, it just goes to show you how good it is to have a veteran quarterback to back up your starter. Teddy Bridgewater has started games in the NFL, has taken the team to the playoffs as the starter. He, you know, he might not be that, that guy that you want to pay to be your starting quarterback. But I mean, there are people that would be relieved that he was there as the backup when, you know, when Drew Brees got hurt. I mean, he started games taking a team to the playoffs. You probably wouldn't mind having that as a backup right now. No, definitely the, not. You know, the, the Jets wouldn't mind having him as a backup right now. There's a, a bunch of teams that wouldn't mind that caliber of players sitting on the bench. Well, he's
1: arguably the best backup in the league, isn't he?
2: Uh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. No,
1: um, yeah, I, I, w- I would take him. Um, definitely. I think. Just New Orleans shouldn't be that upset about having him as their quarterback, and obviously they they won today, so that that really says it all. They're going to ride Kamara a lot, um, and you can tell from today that they're going to do that. Murray appears to be irrelevant, which is the only downside to uh to this story at the minute. But apart from that, there doesn't mean, appear to be many complaints with New Orleans, which is good.
2: Yeah, I think I mean you can ride Kamara, which is which is the beauty of it. He he's done it. You know he's been there and done it. You can trust him to to carry the load for this team. It was interesting. There was some people saying during the week would they consider starting Taysom Hill. That to me is absolute insanity. I know people love him as a gadget player. That's all he is. But it. it but it. That's all it is. Yeah, exactly. You know, and there's no way you put him in there over over. You know, someone who started and won games in the NFL. Definitely.
1: Definitely. Um. The only takeaway I've got from the Seattle side is Lockett it appears to be back in the form he was last year. Um, it's nice to see him getting so many receptions um, and so many targets as well. My man from the off-season, David Moore, is finally back from injury. All right, he only got one reception, but after being out for two weeks, I'll take it. <laughs> and Then uh, yeah. Rus- Russell Wilton is is showing his his former glories. I mean, yeah, he was exceptional on the night and he needed to be as well. He was like, They were unlucky not to win. Saints were the better team, but they, they, Wilson can beat Phil hard Done by after throwing for four hundred yards and getting two rushing touchdowns.
2: Yeah, I mean you, you can't do much more than no, exactly. On the day.
1: No, definitely not. Definitely not. Okay, so quickly moving on to the Texans versus Chargers. So the Chargers were obviously at home. The Texans come into town and beat them twenty-seven to twenty. Watson had a much better day. 25 completions off 34 attempts, 351 yards, and three touchdowns. Drastically made up for last week's showing. And then on the flip side, the the rushing game was dead basically. Carlos Hyde, 10 carries, 19 yards. He did get a touchdown to save save his day. Johnson, just I I don't understand what they're doing with him. But I mean, that's a, that's a conversation for a, a whole podcast, to be honest. This backfield. Tight end-wise, keep an eye out. I'm not saying start him or pick him up yet, but Jordan Atkins, Jordan Akins, two touchdowns and 73 yards on the day. Just keep his name in the back of your mind. With, a fa- with the way this tight end landscape looks, streamers are, are vital for the game. And if he has another good performance, it, it might even be worth picking up if you've got a deep enough roster, but, but just keep an eye out for him because he looked good last night and... If he can continue at this trajectory, he's going to be, he's going to be a good option. And it, we, it's only three receptions. The other t- tight end, Darren Fells, had five receptions. If they can hone on to one tight end, that's going to make a good one for the season. Um, from the Chargers' side, Philip Rivers again. He also had a good game. 31 completions off 46 attempts, 318 yards and two touchdowns. They appear to lean on him a bit more than they did in the rushing game, and that's probably down to the Texas defence. We know they've got a good defence, despite the fact they've lost Clowney. But in the rushing game, Austin Eckler, nine carries for 36 yards. He did have seven receptions for 45 yards in the air, so he had a relatively good game, no touchdowns, unfortunately. Um, and Justin Jackson five receptions, five carries for 26 yards. I do like the look of Justin Jackson. Um, I would like them. I would like Chargers to use him a bit more. Um, I get that Austin Eckler played very well so far, but in my opinion, in from a running perspective, Jackson is the better runner. Receiver-wise, Keenan Allen had almost a good a day as Mike Evans. 13 receptions, 183 yards, and two touchdowns. So. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a locked in wide receiver one at the minute. Um, obviously, Philip Rivers is a more than competent quarterback, and you're safe to you're safe to start him week in and week out. Lee, any any takeaways from this game?
2: Yeah, just a quick one. I thought um, I thought it was interesting that Stills was four for eighty nine yards on the day. Like that's an interesting pickup. I think he will thrive there. You know, he doesn't have to be the number one, but he. You know, obviously he's not a number one, but he's a solid guy. He's going to get him. his catches. Yeah, he's got reliable hands. You know, he's he's a pretty good route runner. Do you know what I mean? He he also has experience, and uh, I think that's priceless. He played with Drew Brees, obviously, in the past, so he's used to playing on teams with expectation. I think that was a really shrewd pickup. I mean, Larry Tunsil got all the um, all the headlines in that trade, but I think secretly that was a pretty good pickup me and Murph actually had a bit of a conversation a few weeks ago in, in you know during draft season when I picked him in in a league and he said do you want to do that he's going to get cut and I said well I think he'd probably get traded because someone will have a use for a guy like that and let's be honest the Dolphins looked like they were going to be a bad team so any, as long as he went anywhere else he was going to be on a better team so you know he's the sort of guy that may even have a, have a little bit of value if you you know if you're getting desperate
1: yeah definitely I, I agree with you and he's made Kiki QT irrelevant in fantasy at the minute um, again I mean granted Kiki is um, again another one coming off an injury but the way stills is playing obviously I, I, he's gonna be the fourth option Kiki um, and yeah I mean to be honest, in some formats, he's probably he's probably a drop candidate if you're if you're desperate for your bench spots. Um, we will move on to our final game, and it was the late night game for us over in the UK. Uh, the LA Rams traveling to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Uh, they did walk away twenty to thirteen victors over the Browns. Derek um, Goff twenty four completions of thirty eight yards, two hundred sixty nine yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Goff is an odd quarterback. Some games he can play lights out, and some games he flounders. And he had both in this game. Whenever he throws to Cooper Cup, he is absolutely solid. Uh, Cooper Cup is his safety blanket, and he had a brilliant day 11 receptions, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. And he is Goff's top read. But I just think some of Goff's decision making sometimes is dubious, and he looks shaky. And when you've got this offence and this supporting cast, I mean, they've got three top-tier wide receivers. Brandon Cook had 112 yards on the day, and I'm still sat here saying Goff didn't look amazing. They're 200-yard receivers. What's
2: your What's your take on on Goff? I'll be honest with you. I'm a, I'd probably be in the minority where I'm just not sold on Jared Goff. Like... Yes, he took the team to the Super Bowl last year. He played well. But we've seen in the past, that that doesn't mean that a quarterback has arrived. It doesn't mean they've made it. We've seen plenty of quarterbacks get their team there and then fail to produce that level again. I just think teams are starting to work out a little bit how to use him. If someone finds a way to blank Cooper Cup, and I think it's more on Cup than it is on Jared Goff, you will find a way to slow that offense down. There's a, a good piece was written for the website. I'm not sure who wrote it. it might have been Murph actually uh, on the on the connection between Cup and Goff and how important that is. I mean, don't get me wrong. The rest of that team is, is supremely talented, but he's got such a connection with Cup. You know that that's obviously his main guy. But like you say, at times, I don't know. He he just to me he just doesn't look like that top tier quarterback. And I say I I might be in the minority here. We might get some backlash for this. <laughs> I might even get sacked from the, the no. staff takeover. No, but I just think I just think it's you know one good season doesn't doesn't make a quarterback. And I'm not saying he's not good. I think he's a very good quarterback. He's a very competent quarterback. But yeah, yeah I just I just haven't seen that sort of elite play. If he didn't have that supporting cast, do you believe that team would be as good? And to um, me, it's a, it's a no. No, McVeigh.
1: If they didn't have that support supporting staff, I think McVeigh wouldn't be getting the plaudits that he is. Don't get me wrong; his offense is amazing. But yeah, no, I do I, I yeah, I don't. I think yeah, like I agree with you. I think he's a competent quarterback. Um, he's gonna have a long career in the NFL, and it, it, he could well win a Super Bowl. I mean, but like we say, I think it'll be more down to the players around him. And he's a lot like Cut Cousins. He's more of a game manager, but just I think at times he looks very shaky. The only other thing from that is obviously Malcolm Brown was out for most of the game. He only had a few. Uh, he was dealing with an ankle injury and he had a few attempts. Todd Gurley had 14 attempts. It's nice to see him getting a good workload. Unfortunately, that only resulted in 43 yards and no touchdowns. Uh, they didn't need to use him in the air. Um, but again, yeah, I mean Todd Gurley's unfortunately. A, wide receiver, uh, a running back two than a, than a running back one at the minute. I don't think it's anything to do with the injuries. I just think Rams are playing it very safe with him. So just just be conscious. I wouldn't drop him from your starting lineup. I'd still play him. I'm still playing him week in, week out. I just wouldn't expect the numbers that we've seen in the past from him. On the Browns' side of the ball, uh, I mean, this offence was so highly touted in the off-season by many of the media and the, <laughs> and the fantasy industry and it's really just not coming to fruition at the minute. Is that down to Baker? Is that down to the O-line? Is it down to Freddie Kitchens? I think it's a mixture of all three. The O-line, they traded um, Kevin Zeitler and to the Giants. Granted, they got Odell Beckham back, but if you haven't got someone who can keep your quarterback up, what use is a wide receiver? Couldn't agree more. And then, the obviously, Baker, he's... He started very, very slow. He's been a bit unsure on some of his passes. And, yeah, I don't know. Today, on Sunday, sorry, 18 18 receptions. Sorry, 18 attempts, 195 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Beckham, six receptions, 56 yards. uh, And then Jarvis had three receptions, 62 yards. Yeah, he's just, I don't know. Baker just doesn't look as good as he did last, last year, towards the end of last year. I mean, he looked, he looked exceptional at times. The O-line, I've already obviously touched on that they are not great. <laughs> the penalty says it all about it as well. They gave up not just the O-line, it was Browns as a whole, but most of them were on the O-line. They gave up eight penalties against the Rams last, uh, last night, and that will kill you. Uh, in in many games, especially when you're playing a team like the Rams, because that defense was—I would say—the defense won the Rams the game last night. They caused Baker all sorts of trouble. They were in the backfield. Donald, in particular, was in the backfield more so than I think Baker was. So, the only person that had a good game on the Brown side of the of the Brown side was Nick Chubb. Twenty-three attempts, ninety-six yards. And then four receptions and 35 yards through the air. He didn't get a touchdown, but he had a solid outing. Um, and the only other point from this is, like I say, Freddie Kitchens is a rookie head coach and he's made rookie mistakes already. Key one was a fourth and nine. He decided to do a run play and then he decided that the run play would be straight a draw play straight through the middle and Nick Chubb just got eaten alive. Granted, Nick Chubb, like I said, had a good game, but on a four for nine, you throw the ball. They might not necessarily catch it, but man, that was that was a and he, he openly admitted after the game it was it wasn't a good play to call and he and he owned that mistake and I would give him credit for that, but man, that, that was a killer for them. I think if they'd have connected on that, it, they, they could have they could have potentially scored and this game would have looked very different from the end of it. Anything from you on this one, Lee?
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I understand why you might want to you might want to try the draw, the draw. Everyone's going to assume, you know, you're going to one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL, the guy you gave up an awful lot to get hold of. But at the same time, inside you're screaming, why are you not throwing it at that guy? <laughs> it, it, Odo is paid that much and he's that highly thought of. He's that hard to cover. Give him a chance. Like, I'd, I'd rather give him a chance than, run, than a run play on fourth and nine. Five or less, five yards or less, I'd be happy with the call. But that that would concern me. Like you say, rookie head coach, as long as he learns from that mistake, that's great. Um, obviously, he's got the chance to do that. I'm going to go back to what I just said about Jared Goff when it comes to Baker Mayfield, though. Um, I've got a couple of friends who are, who are Browns fans, and I don't want to sound negative, but I'm not that quick to jump on board with a lot of quarterbacks. Everyone saw Baker play last year and all of a sudden he was built up to be this guy. Yes, I know he's the, the number one overall pick, but it takes more than a handful of games. It takes more than half the season. It takes more than one season to become that guy, you know, to be to become a, a Drew Brees or a Ben Roethlisberger. You, you know, just because you put the talent around him on paper doesn't mean he's going to perform at that level after just one year. You need to see it more than one year before you can really say... He is that guy. And I think we're seeing the, the troubles of having a team that's highly touted. It was no secret that everyone was on board with the Browns. People had bought in to the hype before a ball had even been snapped. And I think it's just it's such a dangerous place to be. I mean, people had them winning the division. It, it wasn't a case of, you know, it's just because it'd be hard to win a division, but they thought they could do it. They're definitely going to go to the playoffs. Well, hang on. All of a sudden, Baltimore are in control of that division, and the Browns have struggled. It's not been nice. great, you know. It's not been it's not been terrible, but it's not been great either. You know, it's th- this this whole process is going to take some time. There's a lot of new pieces there, like you say, a rookie head coach as well. Hey, that was always my stumbling block to buying in on this team. Had there been a a head coach with previous experience I would have been happier to buy in but I, I didn't buy in at the start of the season and I've seen nothing to change my mind so far this may bite me in the in the, in the butt um, <laughs> I know that you know I might get some stick for this later in the season but I, I just need to see something to buy into it not just names on paper
1: No exactly you can only go on what we've seen so far and, uh, and that's the, the industry that we're in I suppose but that is it for the Week three game reviews with the Five Yard Rush staff. I think that's gone quite well. I mean, it's a long one. I'm hoping most of our fans are still sticking with us, but you know what? We are the Monday Night Takeover. There's no Mercer Stocks. We're going to break the rules.
2: There are Do you wanna no let... rules.
1: There are no rules, yeah. And if there are, we've made them, so... Yeah.
2: <laughs> do you want to? Uh, do you want to let our fans know where they can find you, Lee? Yeah, you can find me all thirty-two Lee on Twitter. I just can't emphasize enough. Keep going to the site and seeing the stuff these guys are putting on there. The content is incredible. You know, the more we get involved, especially me and you, Ash. You know, the, the the content is being cranked out all the time, and it's it's quality stuff. I can't, you know, urge people enough to go and go and take a look. Let us know what you think and how we can do things better as well
1: yeah definitely we, we're always we always like your feedback we always we always love your reviews you can find me um twitter at addicted to underscore ff it's the number two uh you can find my articles like lee just said on on the five yard brush website um and obviously you can find all things five yard brush on our website i would highly highly recommend you go and check it out and that's it lee Let's, uh, let's bid our fans adieu um, and hope Murphson and Stock let us come back next week and if not you look after the website so we'll just record it and put it up anyway
2: That's it would we'll do it anyway <laughs> yeah, they exactly. can't stop us they can't stop us
1: <laughs> and until next time Rush Nation keep on rushing